Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 259. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and you're about to hear a panel discussion, which was recorded on the 14th of October, 2022 in Boise, Idaho. And I don't know about you, but I just love panel discussions. I love being able to have the possibility of questions being answered on the spot, of the speakers going off script, um, even interacting with each other. And you're about to hear Paul Boutlier, Nick Cady, Brian Broderson, and John Whitaker speak about some real practical issues. Uh, what to do when you're a guest speaker. Um, how do you build a theological library? What commentaries should you buy first? And then also, what about when you're preparing a passage and you just don't know what to say about it? Uh, you're going to hear some solid advice, some candid thoughts on these and more issues uh, right now. So thank you so much for listening to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I do hope that this conversation, this panel discussion, and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. So Paul, you've talked about like your sermon prep process, the kind of questions that you ask yourself. Uh, could you maybe, to help these guys think of questions, maybe walk us through like what do the few days leading up to your sermon delivery look like? What are the, what are the ways that you pray? What are the books that you read? We're interested in that. You said you didn't want to get into it, but oh, that's okay. what we want to hear. Sure. Uh, I start by just going over the passage, reading it, uh, and then listening to it um, in, in my headphones while I'm walking. I usually do that in the mornings. Listen to that passage over and over again, um, and just get it into my heart. And and then um, the process after that is uh, a bit of you know what Nick was talking about as far as lining out what the passage is about. Um, I have my entire library on my laptop, and I've been developing it for several years now. There's over a thousand resources on there, and and um, and I, I, you know, I rely pretty heavily on those resources to go through the passage and uh, look up words, see if there's something individually in a in a word, a key word that I uh, th- that I want to focus on as far as. Uh, uh, how I want to convey the passage to the people, and uh, and then just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What what tends to be the first the first book that you look at, or the first resource that you look at? Is there a go to? Hmm. Boy, that's a really good question. I uh, the first book other than the scripture, you mean? Of course. Yes. Um. You know, I have some of my favorite commentaries uh, that I like to look at. Um, I've usually got about five or six of them open at a time on one half of the page. And, um, you know, the Bible knowledge commentary, and there's a few others that I just like to... I like to just see what some of these guys are saying because it'll often spark the creative juices. They'll, they'll mention something. Yeah that they might not even develop, but they'll mention it almost in passing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that's where, and that's where the Lord takes me. So it's just, it's various commentaries. Wonderful. Great, thanks. Now I'll begin to take questions from the crowd. Grant? 
Yeah, I was just thinking, um, talking about knowing, uh, like setting the destination, knowing your audience, who you're speaking to, all of those kind of things. How might you approach that in like a guest speaking kind of scenario where you might not be, you know, knowledgeable of, of where the uh, group is? Maybe I'll answer that because I'm doing more guest speaking than a lot of these other guys are. So <laughs> um, I've preached, uh, I preached for 12 years in one particular church, preached for four years in another church, and now I'm mostly guest speaking. So, um, and so in a guest speaking role, how might you approach, you know, like the destination and all that? Um, so in my prep, obviously I'm working on the text. I'm going to teach the text, but I don't necessarily know the people, Right. Um, if, if I have any ability to kind of at least get to know the general demographic before I go, I'll try to do that. So I'll ask, like, you know, give me some idea of the age of your congregation. What type of people are we talking about? So I get some idea of that. That's important. Um, I will almost always go and uh, if they have anything online, I'll go and watch one or two of their messages. Even if I don't watch the whole thing, I'll watch, you know, watch a good chunk of it, just so I get a sense and a feel of the room and the style of the church, because I want to fit in. I want to match. I want to I serve them as best as I can. So I get some sense of all that. And then as I study the text, I, I have two convictions. One, um, that the text, the, the text really does speak to the human situation. And two, we humans are largely alike, whether we live 2,000 or 3,000 years ago, whether we live in Boise, whether we live in Ireland, whether we live in Southern California or Ontario, Oregon, right? Um, like, it, we humans are generally alike. So I have those two convictions, and so I believe this text can speak to that human need because of who human beings really are. So that helps me be able to have some sense of how does this text speak to the human need. Then, as I'm preparing the message, uh, I have a default prayer as a guest speaker, and it's, and it's, Lord, you know these people way better than I do. You know what they need way more than I ever could. So you help this preparation. You help this message. You help me when I begin to speak. Help me speak to these people and what you want to do in them. And so that's, that's the way I kind of approach trying to start in the right spot and hopefully go to the right destination. Wow, excellent. Nick, how on earth are you going to beat I, that? I don't want to contribute anything except to say this. Yes. That I kind of want to hear from Pastor Brian because I have been on a few occasions with you in a place, and I kind of got the impression that even up until a few moments before, you're still kind of praying through what you're going to share. So maybe could you share a bit of that? Uh, yeah, that that is true, um, but I I agree with what John said as well. That um, all all of those points are great, and I think um, especially those two considerations. And thirdly, and this is where I would lean heavily into God. You know, things I don't know. Uh, I had a I've had this experience many times, but but years and years ago. Um, I went and I spoke at a, a church. When I lived in London, we planted another church in London. And then years later, I went back to speak at that church. And, um, you know, one of those, of course, I'm, I'm a little bit in contact with them, but I'm not going into any detail about the particulars of what's happening in the church. 
And so I come and I, and I speak on, on a morning where I just sense the Lord is saying, this is where I want you to go. This is your text. I preach. Afterward, the pastoral team gathers around me and said, there's about 200 people in the church. They said, you addressed every single issue that we are dealing with in this church right now. And I didn't know a single one of them. <laughs> so I said, well, thank you, Lord. You know, yeah. So I, um, like, like Nick said, uh, you know, some people have thought like, you know, Brian never prepares. He just gets up and goes for it. Um, <laughs> but I have been preaching 40 years, so I have done quite a bit of preparation over the years. But what I generally do when I'm going to go guest speak somewhere is I really try to get a sense from the Lord, just unless they ask me specifically to preach on a topic, uh, I just try to get a sense from the Lord, like, Lord, what do you want to say to these folks? And what's the text that you want to say it through? And then, um, I mean, sometimes I'll put together an outline. Most, most of the time, on, on a normal weekly basis, I go into the pulpit with an outline. But sometimes when I travel, I don't. I just kind of am depending on the Lord to give me something spontaneously and then to give me my three points or five points or whatever it's going to be. And he's pretty faithfully doing that. So, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Thanks for highlighting that. And yeah, Brian, the first time I ever kind of properly hung out with you was visiting another church in London. And it was kind of this one-day conference, and I was sitting next to you as you were flipping through outlines on your iPad all the way throughout the final song. And then you're like, yeah, that one. And then you went up and just totally killed it. And like the lady next to me was like weeping. So it works. Speaking of ladies who are not weeping, here's a question. Hi, Kevin. I'd just be interested in knowing each one of your favorite commentaries because I just don't even know where to start on commentaries. So if you could just... Give me each one of your favorites. I'd appreciate it. Well, the difficult thing with that question is, you know, there's individual commentaries for each and every book of the Bible. Then there's, there are commentaries that cover, you know, maybe like the whole New Testament or the whole Old Testament or the whole Bible. Uh, somebody mentioned the Bible knowledge commentary, which is a commentary that's based at, uh, from the faculty of Dallas Theological Seminary, and it's a Genesis to Revelation two-volume commentary. So were you thinking something like that, or were you thinking of like an individual book commentary? I guess I'm more interested in um, the person who wrote the commentary. Do mm-hmm. you have any favorite authors? Yeah, authors. That's, yeah, that, yes. that's easier one okay. to answer um, <laughs> for for me, uh, for me personally, I have a um, probably one of my all-time favorite authors is uh, John Stott. So I would use Stott. Stott is mostly you're going to get New Testament stuff. I, I don't think I've ever read anything but on Old Testament by Stott. Um, so I appreciate Stott as a expositor. I think he's an excellent uh, Bible expositor. Somebody a little newer in my world has been uh, N.T. Wright. I appreciate him. Uh, Tim Keller, you know, more, more recent guys who have come on the scene. Um, but Stott's been a, a staple over the years. Uh, Lloyd-Jones, people like that. But, but one commentary I absolutely love is the Bible background commentary. 
I think it's just an excellent resource for... Uh, Craig Keener is the author of that, and it's an excellent resource to give you background on each of the books of the Bible, uh, New Testament particularly. I think there's an Old Testament one too, right? Just to clarify, there's two Bible background commentaries. So Craig Keener's is the IVP Bible background commentary. Then there's the Zondervan Illustrated Bible background commentary that's multiple volumes. And it's the same, but it has more pictures and has a little more data. And it's really helpful as well. No, no, it's, it's a variety of authors. And they have a five-volume Old Testament set, four-volume New Testament set on that. Super helpful. So I was going to recommend those ones because they're super helpful for just getting kind of a general overview and background for that. As far as individual commentators, I like a lot of the same ones he said. <laughs> but there's a guy that's not as well known, and he hasn't written maybe as many. But every time I read a commentary from George Guthrie, I, I'm like, I like this dude. I like this. I mean, it's clear. It's like he's, you can tell he's incredibly brilliant and done a lot of research. But he loves people as well as loves the Lord, and it's written and shows both that. So it's, and, and I don't always agree with everything, um, right? You never Because it's an individual, you're never going to agree with everything. But I always feel like he gives the text a fair shake, even if, even if that means like he, he teaches at a, a Reformed Presbyterian college. His commentary on 2 Corinthians, uh, just the other day I was reading through that, and he he mentioned specifically a phrase in there that he says, this, this phrase means that there is no such thing as limited atonement. That goes against the doctrinal statement of the college that he teaches at and its heritage. But it's what the text says. I can, I can work with a guy that is honest with the text, even if I don't always agree with him on everything, because I feel like he's given the text a fair shake. So I like him. I like, I like uh, George Guthrie quite a bit. Gordon Fee. Um, I like a lot of Gordon Fee's stuff. Again, he's Assembly of God, so he's going to come from more of a charismatic background. Um, and so you just have to be aware of that. You may not agree with him on everything, right? Uh, some things, you know. But again, he gives the text a fair shake, and he really wrestles with the text. So those are a couple guys I like. I actually get this question a lot from people online. And a lot of people don't realize how expensive commentaries are to purchase. And so I encourage people to get online and go through David Guzik's commentary of the whole Bible. And I'm sure most of you guys do probably go through that, um, EnduringWord.com, and it's, it's fantastic. And it's free. And David has just done a fantastic job, and, and it's a great tool. Um, you know, there's some other commentators. Sometimes you got to you know the commentator, know where they're coming from, so that you can kind of know how to process what they're saying, but you know, if you want to get some great historical background, William Barclay, good old Scottish uh, commentator, is great for church history and and ancient um, background information. He was very liberal, you know, in his day. So there's things that you know he didn't he didn't have he had a real hard time with miracles, but there's some great historical information. Um, John Stott was always one of my favorite authors. Um, I, you know, just a great old English bachelor that had nothing to do, time to, you know, to, but to write commentaries. And he was, he was great, very deep and very insightful. Um, John Wolverd, I'm looking at actually some of the ones on my Bible program, and William MacDonald. Um, and some of these guys are cessationists. And so you have to rem- keep that in mind as well. You know, they don't believe in the, in the present activity of spiritual gifts. Yeah, it's okay. They've got some good stuff in there. You just got to take what they give and uh, and kind of spit out the bones. 
Yeah, one um, commentator I've been enjoying lately is Colin Cruz. He's Australian, uh, writes commentaries. So I've been really enjoying his Second Corinthians uh, as I've been going through. But he has commentaries on other books of the Bible as well. Frederick, who do you who do you like, Mike? Tell us. I was just over dinner. I was talking about how much I deeply love Frederick Dale Bruner and his commentaries. Uh, two volumes set on Matthew, a really thick one on John. He has one on Ro- Romans, and he's working on one on Isaiah 53. Frederick and, Dale Bruner. And uh, Mike, you interviewed him on the Expositors Collective podcast, and all of you should go listen to that. I mean, once we're done here. <laughs> yes, thank you. And then I also want to give a shout-out to the listener's commentary. Very good resource. All right, who's got another question? So thank you. Um, so I'm look, as I'm looking at the panel, I'm like, man, that's a lot of experience and knowledge up there. And so I feel like I'm like, I'm not even close to what you guys, your experience is. So how would you, what would you recommend other than obviously an outline and some of these commentaries for someone who's just getting started, you know, without feeling like, oh my gosh, there's 40 years of knowledge. Okay, collectively 120, I don't know, I'm throwing a number out. It's a lot of knowledge. So how does someone who's just getting started, you know, start putting these pieces together. I'll be quick, but I'll just say, I think one of the best ways to get cut your teeth on teaching is to teach kids. Because you have to be engaging, you have to be simple, and, um, you know, so. I started listening to Damian Kyle at Calvary Chapel Modesto as, as a way of just learning. I mean, I learned how to communicate through uh, Damien Kyle's ministry, to be honest with you. What an incredible communicator uh, as far as a Bible teacher. And just getting started, finding somebody that you really that you really appreciate. And it's not like you're trying to emulate them in the sense of replicate what they're doing, but but pick up the good the good points and and how are they communicating and what are they doing to really emphasize and 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 you know get that message across. So I, I love listening to guys who just got it down. Say that again. K, yeah, K-Y-L-E, Damian Kyle, yeah. And I think that's great advice, just to find somebody like, you know, two or three that you can learn from and listen to and kind of pick up good things from them. The other thing is, is uh, you're playing the long game, right? You don't have to master it all this year. You don't have to master it all next year, right? And so you got to play the long game, and, and small habits started today carried out over the long haul will make a huge difference in your life. Um, so if you start reading the Bible on a regular basis now, and studying it, and thinking it through, and internalizing it, and absorbing it in your system, guess what? In five years, you'll have a whole lot more Bible absorbed in your system than you do right now, right? Uh, and so you just, it's just small habits over the long haul are going to pay the hugest dividends. What, what are you doing right now? Are you pastoring? Are you helping out in your church? Men's Bible study. Yeah. Um, I, I think, as I think Paul said, um, David, David Guzik's commentary, the, the beauty of David's commentary is he, he'll take you know, let's just say five different people that he really enjoys and he will condense their thought 
added with his own thought. And of course, he's writing currently, so he's going to be current on a lot of things. And it's, and it's easy. It's not complicated. It's not, you know, a lot of deep exegetical kind of stuff. It's, it's more than just simply devotional, but it's, it's, it's accessible, digestible. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great place to just get started and get familiar. One of the things that I did when I was young, I don't know if you guys did this, but when I was going to teach a book, I would get every imaginable commentary on that book, and I would try to wade through it. So I would have 15 commentaries I was going through. And I guess maybe now it sort of paid off, but back then it was so burdensome. And so, so now, my, my practice now is I use two, maybe more, maximum three commentaries as I'm teaching through various series these days. And sometimes I, they just sit on my desk most of the time and I never even open them. But, you know, they're there they're as my, my reference point. So, but, but Guzik, you can't go wrong with Guzik because he's got the entire Bible. And he's going to also introduce you to other people that you're going to go, oh, yeah, I, I want to check that out. I like that quote. Oh, that's a great quote from that guy. And then you can, you can kind of launch off David's into some of those others. Okay. So here's Zach. So um, when your normal processes don't give you a clear direction and where you're going to go with the passage, what do you do then to try and find what, what you're going to do with a particular uh, teaching that you're going to give? Help, Lord. <laughs> you cry for help. That's what I do. <laughs> I think we probably all do that, and we've all been there. And, and there's, some, there's some texts that are easy, right? You, you, you come to the passage, like you look at it for half an hour and you feel like, man, I can almost preach this now. I just need a little bit more time, right? Then there's some texts where it's like you stare at it for 10 hours and you're like, I'm... And Sunday's just around the corner, right? <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> help, Lord, right? Um, that's where I'm going to be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Be yeah. So sometimes it's just hard. There's just some text where it feels like you're wrestling a grizzly and you just can't get this thing to come, you know, like to calm down here, you know? Uh, and, and I guess my encouragement in that moment would be Beyond the help, Lord, prayer, right, is uh, just make sure you have one clear point and just figure, I'm going to give this clear point to the best of my ability yeah. and trust God to do something with it because yep. that's what I got right now. Yep. And just leave it at that. So, Agreed. Sometimes you play a one-string guitar, and, and that's it. And there's just one note, but, but it needs to sound clear and concise and, uh, and, and, and at the very least, you can always just teach, you know, you're teaching the passage. When I first, when I first started in the ministry, I, it was a slow kind of a deal coming to systematic teaching. At first, I, I thought you had to teach topically. That's what I was actually first raised in until I started listening to the radio and hearing guys like Chuck Smith and, and, and David Hawking and some of the other Bible teachers. And I remember when I first started pastoring, 
Saturday night was the worst night of the, the year of the week because it was like, oh God, what am I going to say? And you and you you're just going through the Bible, <laughs> Isaiah. Uh, I did that a couple of weeks ago. You know, so the beauty of teaching through the, the Word of God is that you know what's coming up. You know it's it's right there. Like this Sunday, I'm I'm doing John chapter three. Well, it's a no brainer. We're just going to go through. We're going to go through the chapter and. When you, and, and you teach through the Word of God, and God is going to be faithful to, to minister to the people. There have been times that I've gotten done teaching, and I've said to my wife, I felt like all I did was just kind of taught through the passage, and it seemed kind of dry-ish. But she's like, just trust the Lord, you know, that, that he's going to bring things out of that, that people are going to. And he's so faithful to do that. The Holy Spirit, don't underestimate the role of the Holy Spirit in the whole teaching process. Um, so, yeah. Well, depending on you know your style of learning, as Paul was pointing out earlier, I find that personally for me, it really helps if I have some other people to discuss it with. Almost, it helps me, like as I'm talking to them about the passage, to get more clear on it. So that's why I do this thing with these five guys that I meet with. I think it's a good process. It helps me. Another one is that I go running with a couple guys, and I'll just verbally process it while we're running. I find that very helpful. Um, and one other thought would be, if you have a big text, you're trying to like draw a thread through it and get like, okay, what is the big idea of all this text? Maybe you're, you're trying to bite off too much. Now, sometimes a passage is assigned to you and a schedule, and you have to do that. But if not, maybe you just need to dial it back. Like, like Paul was saying, maybe instead of teaching 10 verses, you just need to go down to like two verses. These two verses have a clear point, and I'm going to preach that point. Yep. So, Yeah, and perhaps the, the inverse is true as well. Maybe, maybe you're teaching 10 verses, and then maybe it should be expanded to 15 for a, for a bigger chunk. And of yep. course, as always, you could be led to share a testimony. <laughs> There's always that. <laughs> and, and, you know, one other thing that I, I, I think might, might be helpful, too, is, I mean, obviously, it, the question is, what's your text? How, how many verses are included? What's the, the content of it? And so forth. But I think, like, um, like John said, um, so you, have, you zero in on one point, but there might be three or maybe even five sort of incidental Things around the point, maybe some history, maybe some uh, some cultural background. You know, just little bits of information that you touch on this, touch on this, touch on this, touch on this. So you're teaching people some things about the text and all of that. But then, like, okay, but what I really want to focus on is I want to focus on this one thing. So you've maybe spent 15 or 20 minutes talking about these things that aren't the main point of the text, but they're relevant and they can be helpful and they're just giving people general scriptural knowledge, but then you zero in on your point. And that's if you're struggling, you know, again, some texts just lend themselves to preaching and you don't struggle. They're just there. But others you're like, I'm I mean, tomorrow I'm going to fly home in a plane and I'm going to look at these verses and think, where am I going to zero in? Because it's, it's just one, how did I end up with this text? I mean, who gave me this? You know, this is my teaching team said, oh, you're teaching that. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, that's, that's been great. We have another Q&A panel tomorrow. So thank you for your great questions. Thank you for your great answers. And- All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. All the way to the end. I hope that this um, helped. 
a little bit. That's our hope. That's our goal. Well, you know, speaking of kind of Q and A, uh, speaking of the the ability to just kind of ask questions and and get answers. If you like this kind of thing, uh, let me invite you to our Expositors Collective private Facebook group. Uh, at the moment, there's almost 500 uh, Bible teachers or preachers that are there, and it's an opportunity to speak about the episode that you just heard, to ask your own questions, to get advice. I can't promise you it's going to be a life-changing experience, but it's an online community of brothers and sisters who want to grow together. And so uh, you go to facebook.com slash groups slash expositors collective. Hey, I hang out there. Maybe I'll see you there. And whether you're on Facebook or not, I do hope that the Ministry of Expositors Collective helps you grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. God bless.